Okay, well, so I mentioned last week that we were going to be starting a new study today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the case for creation, okay? We just finished up a study of baptism, and I hope you enjoyed that. I hope, I hope you were able to perhaps put some things into your coffers that might help you make a defense for your faith when someone says to you, baptism is not essential for salvation, or or baptism is no big deal, or whatever it is. I hope that you were able to take something from that, from the scripture, of course, from the word of God, and apply it in a way that helped you to grow spiritually and perhaps will help you to be able to make a defense for your faith. In fact, that's one of the big reasons we have a, a class time, one of the reasons we have a study time, is so that we can grow ourselves and have things fresh on our minds or fresh in our hearts that when we need to talk to someone, it might be at a moment's notice, you know. We need to be able to conjure things up that might make a defense and might help someone else see the truth. Remember, we know absolute truth through the word. We don't know it all, but we have it revealed to us, and we can study and find things out. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given unto you. We have all these promises right at our fingertips, right? Right there before us. Why not take advantage of that? We have it. We have it before us, and so it's such a wonderful thing. Today I'm going to begin a, we're going to begin a study on the case for creation, and of course, if you've been a Christian most of your life, it's, it's a foregone conclusion, right? God created the heavens and the earth, right? It's right there in Genesis 1. It's, pre, it's pretty simple to see that. It's pretty easy to understand that, but the world kind of has different views about that, doesn't it? In fact, even in Christendom, you have a ton of different views about how creation happened, what it was, what went on during that time. And you might have studied a lot of stuff in school about, you know, scientifically, about geology. Uh, uh, maybe you heard the word evolution. You might have studied a little bit about that. I went to Christian school. We didn't study evolution. But, you know, nowadays, you, to pass a test to get in college, you've got to know a little about evolution, don't you? At least our kids do, right? And so I had my kids come home sometimes, and they would talk about some things, and I had to say, well, that's not what the Bible says. And we had to study that a little bit. So there's things going on in the world that you have to deal with, right? And so you might say, well, what's the point in studying creation? You know, God created the world. I know what it's right there in the scripture. Yeah, that's true. But as I was saying before, we have to be able to make that defense, right? We have to be able to talk to people about these things. The world has a different viewpoint. We've talked about that a lot the last couple of months, right? The world has a different view of evolution, of creation, of Love, what true love is, what truth is, baptism, whether it's essential or not, all kinds of different things. So we have to, we have to look at these things to kind of get an understanding, to be, to nothing else to be able to tell somebody, well, I disagree, and here's why. And show them the scripture, show the word of God that we know has been revealed to us as the truth of God. One of the things that you might hear if you're studying origins of the earth, creation, how it all began, and, and you probably have heard it many times, I'm sure, if not in school, on TV, that the earth is 4.5 billion years old, right? And that the universe is actually around eh, 14 billion years old. You probably heard that, right? You probably read about it. In fact, you could get on the internet right now and look it up real easy. But is that true? Is that absolutely true? Well, we don't have anything in Scripture that says exactly how old the earth is. We don't have anything in Scripture that says exactly how old the universe is. 
but we can glean some things from Scripture that kind of might help us. And maybe that's a question you really want an answer to, and maybe you need to seek and find it. And you might be able to find an answer, but I'm not sure you're going to get 100% absolutely for certain that it's so many years old. And even in those who believe in a creation by a supreme being, there are different views, different ideas. <clears throat> one of the things that you have to consider, and, and we're going to get into our lesson here in a moment, but one of the things I want to point out at the beginning is <clears throat> you have to look at it, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to look at it from a certain viewpoint. Viewpoint of God, viewpoint of Scripture, how things were done. <clears throat> if you're looking at an age of the universe, an age where there were Earth, a scientist is going to simply look and say, well, <clears throat> I see how the earth is now. I see how things progress. I can study that. I can test it. I can make proofs because I have an hypothesis. I test the hypothesis. The result is, you know, I can say, well, that's true or false according to what I was thinking. That's the way it works. And then they can say, well, that's the way it's always been. It's uniform. <clears throat> the earth has always progressed in a certain way, right? But is that true? And then there are others in Christendom might say, well, <clears throat> the earth has not always been uniform. It's not always been the same chronological progression of, of layers of sediment, geological record, fossilization, all these things that come into play in this. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> can't seem to clear my throat this morning. All right. But, so how, do, how are we supposed to look at it? How are we supposed to understand things? Well, one thing I want to show you before we get into the lesson is, how different viewpoints occur. You can, you, can, you can say, well, okay, I'll look at the earth. I know how things laid out. We test that. That's got to be how it's always been. Or you can look at the scriptural record a little bit and say, well, I'm not so sure. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1 there for a second and just read the first couple of verses. <clears throat> Genesis 1, and I'm just going to read Beginning of verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. All right. So there we have a record of the creation of the heavens and earth, right? It was formless and void. Well, what does that mean exactly? Obviously, there was some kind of major event that occurred, right? Some kind of catastrophic event, you might say. God created something. Okay, did he create it right then, and was that the way the world is now? Or was there some kind of other form that we see there? Turn over to 2 Peter. I want to read a verse here that you might not have considered before. It's a very interesting verse that Peter has to say about how people think about the world. 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'll give you a second to get over there. <clears throat> and let's look at something there. It says, verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they are from the beginning of creation. In other words, these scoffers are saying, it's always been this way. Where, where's your second coming that you keep talking about? People just keep dying. Things just keep happening the same way they've always done since the beginning. But notice what Peter has to say about that. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Notice what Peter's saying there. He's saying, you're going to have scoffers are going to say, it's always been this way. Nothing's changed. There's been this way since the beginning. But he's saying, but notice something. God didn't have it that way. Something happened in there. There was a flood. And what he's saying is, things kind of changed after that. And you can make the argument that there have been several, perhaps more than just the flood, catastrophic events that may have changed the way things were. The way that uniformity occurred, right? You have a geologist, I don't know, there may be a geologist in here, and I don't, I don't know the science of geology, I haven't studied it really. I know that they can go to the Grand Canyon and see layers of sediment, you know, in the canyon and say, well, th this layer was from 40 billion years ago, or this layer was 10 year, billion years ago. They, they have all the scientific method, I guess, with that. But some things did occur that we have in the biblical record that might have changed the way the world was. For instance, let's continue to read in Genesis chapter 1. All right? Beginning in verse, let's just go back to verse 3 where I left off there. And I shouldn't have got out of there. And read on. Let's see. Let's just go back to verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God delight, divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and it was so. Now what in the world is he talking about there? very hard to understand. Many scholars will say they believe that there was a canopy, a vapor canopy above the earth. That's what he's talking about, the firmament, waters of the firmament. And reading on, actually let's go over to um, Genesis chapter 7 and let's look at a verse there. <clears throat> verse, uh, let's say verse 7. Sanoah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean animals, of animals, unclean birds, and everything creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, to, uh, to Noah and male and female. As God had commanded Noah, and it came to pass after seven days, the waters and the floods were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, on that day, all the fountain of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I want you to hear read that because I want to tell you that there are other verses that may say it didn't rain until the flood. Not sure we can say that exactly, but um, if you go back to Genesis 2 and just follow along with me here. <laughs> Getting a little technical, I think, but go back to Genesis 2 and let's just start reading in verse 1. 
Thus the heavens and the earth, all the host of them, were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God had made the heavens and the earth, the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, I, it's hard sometimes to follow the chronological order of things. This is kind of, the, of a second description of creation. Not exactly sure when this happened, okay? But it says that there was a mist, perhaps not rain, right? And we can kind of glean or infer from that that perhaps it didn't ever rain until the flood. And maybe that, if that's true, there was a vapor above, things were a little different, right? If that's true, perhaps the atmosphere was a little different too. Perhaps the atmosphere, I don't know, under a canopy, if you're in a room, you know, in the hospital when somebody needs oxygen, sometimes they'll put a tent over them, right? And that oxygen content gets enriched somehow, right? Because I guess it's compressed. Perhaps there was something that going on. Perhaps that's one of the reasons, and I'm not saying it's not from God, perhaps that's one of the reasons the animals, people, lived a lot longer at that time. Things to think about, things to ponder, right? Now, I'm not going to say this is absolutely 100% sure, but there's some things in the record that we can glean that might say, well, the earth has not always been the same. It's not always been this way. Perhaps they were, the earth was a little different formation. We just saw it at creation, it was formless and void after he created it. Well, that was a big event, right? We also know in the flood, there was a lot of stuff that happened. The waters from the deep came up, waters from the heavens came down. Perhaps the earth changed a lot when that happened, right? In fact, you might say there were several catastrophic events. Think about this, creation, Adam and Eve in Eden, right? What happened when they ate of the tree of good and evil? Things changed a little bit, didn't they? They all of a sudden realized they were naked, for one thing. They also got kicked out of the garden, for another thing. God put up the angels, said, you can't come back in here. And then they had to start working for a living. Remember that? So things kind of changed then. Now, we don't have a record that says the earth changed necessarily, but they certainly weren't in the garden anymore. The garden where the mist came up, where things were watered, they didn't really have to do anything but just exist and, I guess, name the animals, right? So things may have changed then. Then perhaps you call that a catastrophic event, maybe things changed, and you have the flood, right? And things might have been different before the flood, the antediluvian period, you might have heard somebody say. And then things post-flood, perhaps the cosmology changed a little bit. Perhaps the earth changed. Perhaps the way things were settled on the earth changed a little bit. Now, we can get into all, things, all kinds of things like that. We're not going to do that in this study. But I wanted you to see that, right? I wanted you to see that there are different views about how the earth was created, how the earth was formed, how things occurred, and the record that we have uh, the geological record, the uh, anthropological record, 
you know, you can, they can still find a woolly mammoth in the frozen tundra in Siberia somewhere. They just recently, it hadn't been but a couple years ago, they found one. And they're basically preserved. And you, can do, and you can test things. You can do things and say, well, how long ago did this guy live? You know, I, it, all kinds of things like that we can still see in the geological record. Well, what am I getting at? What, well, what are you saying, teacher? What, what's the point of this? Well, <clears throat> we can try to go to the Bible and figure out exactly how long the earth has been around. And many have studied and will go through Genesis and Exodus and the history of the Old Testament and try to say, well, there's a certain amount of years. You can kind of get it. And you can kind of glean that. If you go over to Genesis 4, I'm not going to read it, but you have the genealogy from the beginning of time, men. And you can kind of go through that and figure out, well, if, if this guy lived this many years, this guy lived this many years, then up to the flood, Methuselah, was 969 at the flood, Noah, and all that, and it come up with about 6,000 years. You say, wow, okay, the Bible says the earth's only been around about 6,000 years. That kind of don't jive with 45 uh, billion years, does it? I mean, uh, 4.5 billion years. There's a big discrepancy there. Interesting, isn't it? So, does that negate the Bible? Does that completely say we can't believe the Bible? Yes, sir. That's a good point. Yeah, Bill said you, that's how long people could write. You couldn't keep track of things before that. You don't have a historical record. Very good. That's a good point. Yes? It becomes political. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Believe that, yeah. Good point. Yeah, Dana says there are scientists who believe in a younger Earth, and it's not necessarily from biblical record. It's through geological record and so forth. And that's very true. That's a good point. Point being, if you want to turn over to, turn over to Job 38, and let's just read a couple of verses from there. And, and this kind of sums up my point here is what I want to say. Um, and, then, and then you're going to say, well, why are we studying this? <laughs> so I'm just going to read it. Beginning in verse 1, Job 38. Oh, Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath. And this is, by the way, after Job's had all the stuff happen to him, and he's, you know, he's kind of he's complained about it. But, you know, we know he never sinned, because God does say that in Job. But he said, why is this happening to me? And then notice verse 1, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chase me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. He thinks he's sinned. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are 
foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. And I just realized I'm reading from Psalms. <laughs> what in the world? Man, sorry about that. Uh, I was going to say, it sounded like Job talking, though, I guess. I, I was thinking, well, Job's pretty unhappy. I know he was an unhappy guy at one time. All right, back to Job 38. Okay, sorry about that. All right, Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know, Job. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundation fastened? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God's saying, okay, Job, well, I, okay, you can claim, but where were you when I created the world? In other words, so what? You didn't really have any say in the matter. And, you know, I understand you're oppressed, you're, you're, you've got these boils, your children are all been killed, all this stuff's happened to you, but you know what? So what? Trust in me. That's the whole point. You trust in me. I created the world. If you trust in me, you don't have to worry about it. Okay. So, well, okay. I, can, I can't ask the question, well, how did this all begin? Well, well, yeah, okay, you can do that. And there's another problem. You're, you have a brain. God gave you a brain to think, make decisions, make choices. So you can wonder, how did all this happen? But the point is, God did it, and you don't need to worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. You trust in me. All right, I'm preaching now, but now we're going to get into our lesson. We only got about 15 minutes, so we got to get going. So... As I said, one of the fundamental questions of life is, when did life, where did life come from? How did it all begin? The answers can be found in two camps, right? Or, or the answers basically fall into two camps, right? Either you believe that matter is eternal and everything happened through a natural process, evolution, whatever you want to say, or you can say matter is not eternal. It was created by a supreme being. Well, and by the way, that supreme being can take that matter away at some point which we read about in Scripture. Basically, you've got two groups that would believe that, right? And the evolutionary side, biblical side. They're not without consequences either. Those who believe matter is eternal will tend to deny the existence of God, right? Because it's just going on forever. It's just always been that way. It's always will be. They don't have an answer for how it, where it came from, when it's going to end or anything. It's just always been. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Or those who believe matter was created by a supreme being. These questions cannot be answered with 100% surety, right? We can't say for sure how the earth was created, when it was, the time frame, how long. But we can get a lot of answers from the Bible that help us understand about this question. And today, I'm, I, for the few minutes we have, I'm going to move around a lot in the scripture. We're going to read a lot of scriptures here. Just bear with me. We're going to look at what the Bible says about creation. How many verses there are about this, right? 
course, we've already read Genesis 1, and I'm not going to read the whole section on the day, six days of creation. That's a long passage. We're going to get into that. Don't worry. We'll get into the six days of creation and all that. But that is a testimony that the lawgiver of Israel gave. Moses wrote these words. He says this was the way it was done. Okay? We have that testimony. Turn over to 1 Chronicles. And let's look at a verse or two from David. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. And you can follow this in your outline if you have it. 1 <clears throat> Chronicles 16. And let's go to verse 26. Uh, For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. David said so. How about 2 Chronicles? Let's go over there. 2 Chronicles chapter 2. And this is when I need to have a visual so I can put it up on the screen. But anyway, 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 12. Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who made the heaven and the earth. For he has given King David a wise son endowed with prudence and understanding who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal house for himself. Hiram was the king of Tyre. He said, God created the heavens and the earth. Turn over to 2 Kings, chapter 19. Let's read another verse from a king. 19, starting in verse 14. And Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you are alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Hezekiah attested to the fact that God made the heavens and the earth. How about the psalmist? Turn over to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 102. I'm not going to read all these, but Psalms 102. And let's move, let's see, verse 24. I said, O oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you lead the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. There's a few, several other psalms we could read. I'm not going to go through all of them. But the singers, the poets of Israel, and prophets attested to the fact that God made the heavens and the earth. Isaiah. Turn over to Isaiah. Let's read what the prophets had to say about it. Isaiah chapter 37. Verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, saying, The Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You are alone over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear upon your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Isaiah is actually recounting what Hezekiah said. Turn over to chapter 40. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things who brings out their host by number. He calls them by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. No one is, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. 
His understanding is unsearchable. So even the prophets, Zechariah, I'm not going to read it, but you have another. They attest to the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. We could go read Nehemiah when the Israelites came back. They attested to the fact that God had created the heavens and the earth. Now let's turn over to the New Testament. Turn over to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10. Being in verse 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his wife, mother, a father and mother be joined his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Something like longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And then Mark 13. Just look over there and see what it said there. Verse 19. Actually, yeah, and unless the Lord has shortened these days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, him he chose, he shortened, I um, can't see it. Hold on. For in those days there will be tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time and shall never be. Here we have the Lord, Lord Jesus, attesting to God's creation. Jesus attests to the creation of things. Turn over to the book of John. Chapter 1. And we just finished studying this, so ought, this ought to be fresh on your mind. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, not some or few or most things, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John says it. Let's look over in Acts chapter 4. Verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. The apostles prayed and praised God for all the things he had created. Apostles attest to it. Acts 14, turn over there. Verse 14, Acts 14, verse 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from those useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Paul preached it. Romans, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, the great chapter that tells the Gentiles you don't have any excuse. Even though they didn't have the law, they knew from creation that there was a God. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, Paul's saying, you see the creation that he made. You got no excuse, dude. You might not have had the law and the prophets like the Jews did, but you knew there was a God. Hebrews. Turn over to Hebrews. Chapter 1. Beginning of verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke 
in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Hebrews, turn over to chapter 3, verse 4. Well, verse 3, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than his house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. The Hebrew writer attests to it. The apostles attest to it. And then turn over to Revelation, and let's look at chapter 10. And see what John had to say as the great revelator. Verse 5, chapter 10, verse 5. The angel... And pay attention to the eloquence of these two verses. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God will be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. John saying the angels attest to the fact and in the last days they will praise him for his creation and the things that are in it and those who will be saved and spending eternity with him Revelation 4 just turn over there real quick verse 9 whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. You see, even the heavens attested the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, the world, the universe, the thing that we know is our reality, the place we are right now. It all came from God. The biblical answer to the question of the origin of life is what? God created it. It's pretty simple. And there's a whole lot of stuff on there that says it. And that was the point of going through those scriptures. I want you to see that. Yeah, I know. We've known since we were little kids, you know. What was the old song you used to sing? I know some of you teachers know it. Jolene could do it right now in front of me. I can't, but you know. Day one, day one, what is it? Day one, God created the heaven. I, I can't remember it. <clears throat> but you learn that when you're a little kid, right? You know that your whole life. If you're raised in the church or raised in a family that sought the things of the Lord. So the biblical record states it plain. And God has made sure we have everything we need to understand that. And yeah, we can make a case for, well, the earth is 6,000 years old, or, or we don't believe it's 4.5 billion because we have the genealogies. Or you can say, well, you're not seeing it as, a, you see things as uniform. We see there were catastrophic events that changed things. All those things can come into play, and, and they're cool to think about. I, I've sat down and had long discussions with people about that, you know? Other people, supposedly Christians, who had different views than I did. Personally, and we're going to get into it, I believe that the six days were six days. I don't believe they were six epics or ages, like some would say. I remember taking my kids to high school for the first time to go to biology class and meeting with a teacher in biology class. And he said, he's a Christian. I said, oh, okay. 
Are you going to teach creation? He says, I'm going to teach creation evolution. I said, what? What does that mean? He said, well, I'm a Christian, so I, but I believe evolution is part of creation. I said, oh, here we go. That's when I, the first thing I remember thinking. Here we go. So now I'm going to have to tell my kids, well, he's wrong every time they come home with a homework. I didn't do that, really. I'm just kidding. I, but, I mean, yeah, there were a couple times when I had, I had, we had to discuss some things, you know, because they're being told something that I don't believe. But that, in the great scheme of things, you might say, well, so what? Again, you need to be able to defend your faith. You need to be able to say, no, that's not the truth. We know the truth here. You can say you've got the geological record and all that stuff, scientific method, whatever, and that's cool and, and wonderful, but God created the heavens and the earth. I know that. I know that because I've been told from the Word, and that's all i got to know, right? Interesting, isn't it? Believing in creation by a spring being joined those who've had a great impact on history, right? When you think about the Old Testament, Moses, David, Solomon, Jesus, the apostles, all of them said it was God that created it. And we've had many since then that say the same thing, right? And as Danny was even mentioned, you can see things in creation that kind of attest to it too. It's had a great impact on the history of mankind, right? We have a solid foundation on which to build that directly affects our actions. And think about that for a minute. Those who believed has set up a time, uh, uh, what do you call it, a calendar, based on whom? What's our calendar based on? It's a Roman calendar, right, and all that, but where do we start our time, basically? It's based on Jesus Christ, right? You have before Jesus, you have before uh, Christ. Now they call it what? B, they use these different terms now. When I was a kid, it was B.C. and uh, A.D., yeah. Now they got this B.C.E., F.G.H., whatever, and I don't know. But our whole calendar's based on that. And we've not, well, we're, we're a little over 2,000 years since Christ lived. I, there's discrepancies, they say, exactly when he, you know, some say the calendar starts when he was four or whatever. But we base our whole calendar and time on that. Interesting. All these things have occurred because of what men have believed. They've had an effect on our lives, believe it or not. Not all are willing to accept the biblical answer, though, and we know that. Some are not wanting to or unwilling to face the consequences. Some are not aware of the wisdom that supports creation, right? I mean, it's much easier for me to say God created the earth and the heavens than for me to say, well, it just always was there. I don't get that. I can't fathom that in my mind. And, and as Job said, I, I mean, as Job, well, as the psalmist said, I should say, we can't understand how things were. We're never going to understand where all the things of God, all the things of creation, all the things about how things happened, just know that the Bible says God created the heavens and earth. And we've got a ton of scriptures to support that. Next week we'll get into more of the philosophical side of the case of creation. That's going to be interesting because I'm not a philosopher. You know, I try to say scripture says it, therefore it is. So we'll look into that. Uh, our time is up. Thanks for being